Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. Uh, you can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Good morning. Oh my, it's bright up here. Pastor Michael is a rock star. He gets the lights. I do thank you for sharing your pastor with my church this morning and welcoming me to your church this morning. Michael and I had talked about doing a church swap at some point, and then we actually got to do it, and it seemed the timing worked out of after Easter, and um, so I'm just thankful. I was praying for him this morning as he shares with my people, and I get to share with you this morning. A um, few things about me. I am a covenant pastor. I have... I joke, I've done my time in youth ministry, children's ministry, um, congregational care. Um, before we moved to Owatonnas, actually I live in a neighboring community, I was associate pastor at Linwood Covenant, which is up near Forest Lake, and we were there for about 10 years. And then my husband accepted a position in Owatonna. He's the general manager at Owatonna Country Club. So that was why we moved down. And I'm also a therapist, so um, I work right now at Botair Recovery Institute, um, I work in addiction and um, mental health and um, get to do a really unique job during the week. And then the Covenant Church has been utilizing me in interim pastoring positions um, for the last three years. So I feel really privileged that I get to serve Jesus and love people in a variety of ways. Um, so I come to you this morning with um, just hope as we as we. Think about what Easter was for us and that reminder of the resurrection, the reminder of new life in Christ. And I love the name of your church, by the way, Real Life, because when we have new life in Christ, we really do have real life, and we get to live the best life that God has for us. Um, so would you pray with me as we come to God's word this morning? Oh, Father, we thank and praise you for your true word. Thank you, God, that when we come to Scripture, Lord, we are confronted with truth and with um, your story, and Lord, may we find ourselves in, our, in your story. God, may your word change us. May it give us new ways to think and um, think about how we can be closer to you and to others. And Lord, I just pray for everyone here, Lord, I pray this morning that they would lean into more what it means to belong to you, to be your children. God, to be forgiven and be set free from sin and from death and, and have the reality of freedom in Christ. I thank you, God, for Pastor Michael, and I pray that you bless him as he shares at New City. And Lord, we just pray for your churches everywhere in this world, Lord, that the body of Christ would flourish and grow and, and just be your light and your love in this world. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So you're kind of getting Easter 2.0 this morning. Um, I'm, I'm piggybacking off of the message that I preached last week to my um, sisters and brothers at New City. And so last week I talked to them about what does it mean to live into the reality of the resurrection? What is the, the new reality that we live in as children of God? And if Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you have been forgiven, you have new life. You have a new reality. It's, um, it's kind of like... When I was a little girl, I had, so I was born in 1975, so not, that's gauge of how old, how old you know I am now, but I remember that there, I had all these black and white pictures that we had in our house, and I didn't tell anybody this until like, like I was older, but I thought that the world used to be black and white, 
And then when I was born, it became color. My mom was like, wait, you thought that? You thought that the world became color because you were born? I'm like, I don't know. It just We had black and white pictures, and then there's color. I don't know. How did this happen? You know, I never, like, shook that out with anybody. But it, I feel like when we come... When we come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ, the world goes from like black and white and sepia tones to color. You know, we have this beautiful new life and, and everything changes. I know that sounds very egotistical of a child to think that the world became color because they were born, but that was what I thought. But I think that's exactly how it is. That new life is so powerful. So when we think about the new reality for us, because the events of the, of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ occurred, we have a new reality of being set free from the fear of death. You know, I think the more and more as I live and grow older and do the work that I do is that the fear of death is really at the heart of so much that holds people back. Fear is, I like to shock people with this, but I'm like, do you know what the worst F word in the world is? And usually people like look at me because I know they're thinking of a different word. And I say, it's fear. And so the reality of the resurrection and Jesus' death and you know, his, his life for ours is that we are set free from death and from fear. You think about the consequences of sin the consequences for sin for us is really difficult because it, it means we had a debt that we couldn't, we couldn't suffice, we couldn't pay up for. And a debt was settled that we were unable to pay. You know, if you went to Good Friday service, you probably heard the, the statement that Jesus said, it is finished. And I really hope that if you know Jesus Christ, that, that when the devil throws sin at your face, you will hear Jesus' words to you that says, it is finished. I've done all it takes to forgive you and set you free from sin. And that is such a beautiful um, sentence to remember. It is finished. When we think about the truth that the Messiah really did come, the Jewish people were waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping. And in so many ways, you know, as we find, because we're on this side of the story, you know, we're 2,000 plus years past it, but we understand to see Jesus came and he fulfilled everything that was needed for him to do what he needed to do for us. And so when we think about the reality, it was the, re- the reality is the Messiah did come. The Messiah is here. And he came to deliver us and free us from sin. He didn't come to deliver us from oppressive governments, from regimes. You know, that was what the Jewish people were hoping for. And I think that's even what a lot of people in our world are hoping for too. But really, we needed to be set free from sin and death and guilt and shame. The reality of life after the resurrection is this, that we have a different kind of deliverance given to us, that resurrection means a new life and one that is not the end. We have a new day of worship. The fact that we're gathering here on Sunday means that something radical happened because followers, monotheistic Jews who were the first followers of Jesus, they worshiped even on a different day. Jesus is Jesus' resurrection meant that they celebrated a new day. That's why Sunday is called the Lord's Day. Think about the reality means that there was no more need for sacrifice. The death of animals to try to cover up what we did was done. The formation of the church happened. New relationships happened. You know, the fact that even though, like, we don't, most of you have never seen my face before, yes? But because of Jesus, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Nowhere else in the world does that happen. 
But because of the reality of Jesus Christ, we have a family that is a real family. We have divisions in humanity that are no more because of Jesus. And that is the reality of the resurrection. His presence is with us through the Holy Spirit. You know, the the followers of Christ had to wait a little bit. Jesus told them, wait, hang on, I got stuff I got to tell you. And then then the helper is going to come, the comforter is going to come, and we have the Holy Spirit. That's a reality. The moment that you choose to say, Jesus, forgive me, come be my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit enters you, and you have a new reality with that. We also know the Father because we know the Son before we were separated from God. And because of Jesus Christ, we also can know God the Father. And the most wonderful thing is there's no more fear. That old F word is gone. Death is not the end. And that is our reality. Um, If you got your Bibles or else look on the screen, I wanted to um, share the sermon text for this morning. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. We're starting at 14. I realize that 2 Corinthians 5 is probably one of my most read um, passages of Scripture because it's underlined the most. It looks, that page of, this page in my Bible looks the worst, so I think I look at it the most. And my Bible also fell in the bathtub one time. So it's, <laughs> if you're wondering, like, you're like, boy, this pastor, she has a poor-looking Bible. Well, sometimes I read it at night in the tub, and, it, and I, <laughs> I dozed off, and, and so it's, I do have another one. Like when I was ordained, they gave me another one. But it's so big. It's just, it's, it's too big. It's too heavy. So this is, this is the good one. All right. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, we start here. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, I love when Paul says so. He's got these these proclaimers that, that tell you to really pay attention. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, again, it's like a pause, pay attention. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, as I, I pause here this, at this text, um, it's really interesting in my work as a therapist in the last couple weeks, it feels like um, when I'm talking to people that God brings this passage to mind more and more because I, I encounter people that are working through addiction and recovery, and as a therapist, I, my primary job at Botere is to support the um, licensed alcohol and drug counselors, and, and I work with patients and um, help them with the mental health concerns that are underlying causes to their substance abuse. And the thing that catches me over and over and over is that when we have, um, when we have sin and brokenness and shame, which is kind of the of the message I'm talking to you about today is that we often can't believe 
Jesus's words that we, that we are new creations in Christ. We often can't believe, no matter where we are and what we've done, whether we're, you know, sitting in here and, and knowing what happened the past week or we're sitting in an inpatient facility for, for addiction, we often can't believe, God, really, could I be that new creation? Could I be who you say I am? Have you really done enough for me? Is there more that I, I could do or should do? And we think about how this passage is so important to us because it, it gives us truth about who we are in Christ and what Jesus has really done. A couple of things stood out to me as I was looking at this passage again. In verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised up. So just take that to you and me. He died for all. So one of my friends who's a southerner says, All y'all. <laughs> He died for all y'all. He died for all of us. And for those who live, so for us, because we live in Christ, we no longer live for ourselves. The reality is we're living for somebody else, and it's Jesus. We, di- we live for him who has died and was raised again. So I thought about this, and when we live in the reality of Jesus' new life in us, we have to fight really hard against shame in the old story we have been told about who we are or the ones that we have told ourselves. As a therapist, I often use narrative theory techniques because narrative theory takes the problem away from us and and the problem becomes the problem and we no longer are the problem. And I think so often when we um, struggle with forgiveness and, and embracing that new life in Christ, we continue to tell ourselves a story about who we were or maybe what other people have said who we are. And so we, we fight against this. So we have to really, really work hard sometimes to, to adjust our mind to say, yep, God, I'm going to agree with who you say I am, that because of you, that old part of me died and doesn't live anymore, but I live with you and for you, Jesus, and that's who I am. When we are in Christ, we live for Jesus. We don't no longer live for our own motives or from a place of shame. We have a new reality, and when shame is no longer the storyteller, the storyteller becomes Jesus. Remember that. When you live into a new story, that old story of shame, guilt, whatever it is, that is no longer the primary story. It becomes Jesus Christ. I like to think about how, um, you know, we have this this beautiful, this beautiful um, picture because we have. The old is gone, the new has come, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gives us a message of reconciliation. That means that because Jesus has done what he's done in my life, I get to encourage you, and I get to be a reconciler with him, with other people, to say, you know what, God's got a better way for you. And man, if you just try his way, it is so much better. It's beautiful, too, because Jesus stands in front of us. Our life and death now are found in him because of his death. And this is why shame, guilt, and eternal separation are no more when we are a new creation in Christ. And that is the Easter message. That's the message we get to say every day, not just on Sunday, not just on the day that we gloriously say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. He is risen, he is risen indeed. He is risen, he is risen indeed. We say that every day. He's alive, he's alive in me. He's alive, he's alive in me. He's alive. He's alive in me. If we really, really said that and believed it, how differently would we live and think 
and feel. So this morning, I want to um, encourage you with a few things that I, I think are important when we live in this new reality, and it's that we do business with an acronym that one of my um, favorite professors at Bethel, um, her husband had coined, and it's, um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a really great acronym. I'm going to tell you this, and I hope you always remember, but it's this one, shame. But with Dr. Nelson, it was a different shame. And when you, when you have troubles maybe remembering that you are that new creation in Christ, or you're reminded of the things that you messed up on, or maybe that you're having a hard time and you've slipped up and you've fallen into some old patterns and habits, remember this one. And it should have already mastered everything. It means that just because, you know, just because we are who we are, you know what, we are not going to have it all together until the day that we breathe our last and journey into that next place with Jesus in heaven. And so I think the hard thing with, with us is with shame is where we screw up and the devil loves to remind us that we've messed up or, oh, there you are, you really aren't that old creation in Christ. And we have this, this awful thing of, of should, should have already mastered everything. You know what? Because, because of the fact that we're human, we aren't going to have everything mastered. That's where we need Jesus so badly and he shows up and helps us. But if you ever feel like this, you just remember where that came from and send it packing. Um, the next slide I want to show you is, is just this word of shoulds and expectations. Where do these come from for you? I think a lot of times shoulds and expectations come from a place of accusing. And that is what the devil is. He's called the great accuser. And so if you think about shoulds and expectations, I hope that you can say you're the shoulds and expectations that we have on ourselves because we are human and we could regard each other from a worldly point of view, but if we, if we switch that to our expectations come, that Jesus says, expect that he is going to show up and be our new life, that we can expect that he is going to help us and he's going to meet us in those places that maybe we need his help even more, then we don't have to worry about shoulding all over ourselves. We say that in therapy. We say, don't go should all over yourself. Because it pretty means don't put all that on yourselves. And as a Christian therapist, I say, you know what? Let God have that. Give him that. Give him those expectations. Give him those old ways that are, you know, they're going to sneak up on you and live into that new reality of who you are. Um, a wonderful um, model that the schools are using, it's called the mindset, the, the growth mindset model. Um, there's a, if you just want to like search YouTube, there's some really helpful videos, and I'm so thankful that right now our educational systems have embraced this growth mindset model, and I really feel like the growth mindset model is very biblical, because the growth mindset does business with should, the growth mindset does, does business with either having fixed thinking or a growth mindset. So if you have, um, if you have fixed thinking, it means, a fixed mindset means that you are, you know, in this if you can do the next slide, please. The next slide, the, the words are small, but a fixed mindset says, I'm never going to change, and it really pushes against our theology that says we're a new creation in Christ. If you believe Jesus' words that you are, you are his, you have bought and paid for by his blood, and you are a new creation because he rose from the dead, then you can't have a fixed mindset anymore about who you are. It means that you could embrace the growth mindset that says, I am learning, I am humble. I am open to how God is working and changing in me. And when we, we, that's where, you know, God has made our minds to say, I can think new thoughts and I can feel new th feelings about who I am. 
And yes, that was who I am, but a growth mindset seems I am growing into the image of Jesus Christ and looking more and more like him every day and not like my old self. A growth mindset is a really powerful model to say, yep, I can learn new things, I can try. Failure does not, that big F word, fear, doesn't hold me back. Just because I messed up doesn't mean that God can't help me figure that one out and do something different. Um, in, um, when I work with children as a therapist, um, we, we worked with conscious discipline, and a beautiful phrase in conscious discipline is, let's try that again. And when we're new creations in Christ, God says, let's try that again. Maybe that's who you were, and maybe you're having a hard time getting out of that one, but I've got you. And the more that you follow me, the more that we've got this together. Um, how many of you have like, heard of VR technology? Okay, so if you also want to be humored, um, I, I found this, but I spent way too much time a couple weeks ago watching people um, with VR devices on their heads. Um, and I just sat and I laughed and I felt terrible because it was like America's Funniest Home Videos. There was like injury almost in every video. And <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Try me on that one. Every video there was injury. Um, I haven't done one of these because I get car sick and we have one at home, but I'm like, nope, I, I just can't deal with that. But with virtual reality, <laughs> just every video, I'm like, it happened again. They Almost all of them hit their TV. The TV was over there, and they got so lost in what they were doing that they went forward and bam, right into the TV, or there was tripping on somebody or a child. or oh, It was terrible, but it was funny. So if you've been injured in a VR accident, I'm sorry. <laughs> but But everyone, you know, and you think about when we think what reality are we living in, it means, too, that if we become so caught up in the reality of who we are as new creations in Christ and as people that no longer are bound by shame, by our past, we get so caught up that we forget about the reality around us. And hopefully we live into that reality of, of being God's people here on earth, being redeemed, being forgiven. And that reality is really what guides us and, and moves us, not towards injury or crashing into our TV, but into... Um, into this, living in a new reality of thinking, how would your life be different in the reality of being a new creation in Christ? How would your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors change if you started embracing God's thoughts about you? You would feel differently. You wouldn't feel shame. The other thing I was going to just bring up to you is I, I ask people a lot of, like, where do you feel shame in your body? Oftentimes, people will tell me, I feel sick feeling right here, or my face feels hot, or I feel tight in my throat or my chest. You know, so if you think about that, when that comes calling, ask the Lord to meet you and that remind you of who you are, and maybe there's something that you got to do business with God about, but once we start catching that, we're like, oh yeah, sneaky, sneaky shame, sneaky devil, you don't get to do that to me anymore. Your thoughts will change, your feelings will change, and your behaviors, what you do and how you act will change. And you're going to respond differently to that should have already mastered everything. When you start catching yourself, maybe saying to another person too, oh, you should have done that. Please stop. You know, because that's us not, especially to another Christ follower, that's not us participating with what God says about us to each other. So when you catch yourself shooting yourself or shooting another person or being like, how come you, how come you did that again? Why did you that? just know we are all in process? You know, that new creation in Christ, God is working on all of us day by day, 
And yeah, some of us, we may not get it right till that, that day that we breathe our last and we go to heaven with Jesus. But just remember, God is patient with us, and he is doing a good work in us. In Philippians, it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And I will tell you that I bank on Jesus for that one. Um, the closing scripture I want to just encourage you with today is from um, Hebrews chapter 12, 2 through 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him who endured such, op such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, I thank and praise you so much for your love for us. You loved us so much that you gave your one and only son so that we could be forgiven and set free and have a new story. Thank you, Lord, that you have done business with shame. Thank you, Jesus, that you scorned the shame of the cross and you embraced, you embraced it wholeheartedly. And you did it because you loved us and you want us to be forgiven and, and with you someday. So thank you, Lord, for the promises you give us that we can be a new creation in Christ, that we don't have to look at each other um, from a worldly point of view of our past or our mistakes, but we look at each other in Christ in a new way. I pray for whoever here, Lord, that needs to, to give themselves completely to you, maybe needs to give their shame and their regrets and mistakes and lay them at the foot of the cross. Lord, as we do that, Lord, help us to, to just give it to you and, and turn away and know that you've got it and you can take it. I pray that people here would truly feel forgiven if they've never felt forgiven and they would let you do the work that you are doing in their lives happen. Thank you for this church and this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecove.com. Thanks for listening.